a beautiful, awesome morning here today. But let's go from here to a place that's hot and sticky. Imagine it. There are probably cicadas, or some insects, cheeping away in the background. We're on the 38th parallel in the summer. Everything's green. Exotic red-crowned cranes touch down lightly in thousands-year-old rice paddies because we're in Asia. They peck and they strut and then they take off again in a chevron formation like we saw the Canada geese out at Patahanui last week. Before settling once more for rich pickings somewhere nearby. Other birds are equally at home. The white-naped cranes, not nearly as special as their red-crowned cousins, are there too. Yellow-throated martins, pheasants and magpies, turtle doves, all the others, and, that, and the mammals, Asian black bears, lynx, Chinese water deer. And there's plant life in abundance, 5,000 species in a relatively small space. We've wandered into a pastoral idyll, right? Wrong. This cornucopia of nature, of creation, is protected on both sides by triple lines of razor wire. It's viewed by spotlights that range across the area. And the sound of loudspeakers blaring messages, colonial messages, patriotic messages, Marching songs, arias at unbelievable volume. It's an Orwellian image of dystopia. Because we're not in a new creation, although creation has come up round about. We're on the 38th parallel between the two Koreas. This demilitarized zone that keeps the two ideologies apart and preserves them each. This four-kilometer-wide, 250-meter-long strip of land reinforces the political divide. It's a monument to insanity, if ever there was one. And yet, creation, nature, has re-come in this space in grand, feral abundance in a way that nobody could have expected of one of the least safe places on Earth. And in our reading from Luke today, you've just heard, we encounter Jesus in a wilderness too, a wilderness of a different stripe, a dry, hot, arid wilderness, a no, a no man's land or a no person's land, we should perhaps say with International Women's Day coming up on Tuesday, a no one's land, another land in which to wrestle between two cultures, two ideologies, two questions. And we wrestle in our daily lives as well, don't we? After two years of global pandemic in which nearly six million people have died worldwide, in a week in which violent protesters have been ejected from our parliament's grounds, in a week in which our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and Russia face the horror and the destruction of war. And we're asked once again here to consider what it means that we walk constantly in this no-one's land, navigating the demands of one ideology or another, and that all of us, regardless of where we live, how rich or poor we are, what gender we are, what faith we follow, 
what race we are, all of us are small, mortal, and vulnerable. That we are, to quote our reading from Deuteronomy today, dust, and to dust we'll return. And in many ways, this is the same reality that Jesus wrestled with in our gospel reading today. At his baptism, he'd heard that he's God's son, his beloved, precious, and cared for. But when he's led into the wilderness, suddenly he has to face a number of powerful assaults on this view. He must wrestle with different belief systems. He has to discern God's presence there in the wilderness. In a, lowly, in a lonely wasteland, a no-one's land. He has to trust that he can be both beloved and famished. He can be both valued and vulnerable at the same time. He has to learn that God lives within humanity, within a fragile vessel that can crack, it can shatter. And Jesus is offered three chances to walk away from this lesson by this force that's described as the devil in our reading. And as I reflect on each, I wonder how this story might become an invitation for each of us today. Because it's easy to trust God in retrospect, isn't it, with 2020 hindsight. It's harder to trust God when you're in the maelstrom of challenge, of test, of trial, of disruption, of uncertainty. The first temptation targets Jesus' hunger, a primal instinct. If you're God's son, turn these stones into a loaf, says this force. Or put another way, manipulate and disrespect creation for your own consumption and gain. Sounds like a familiar message in this week in which we've received the next report of the International Panel on Climate Change that shows how futile our, our attempts have been so far to address the centuries of disrespect, manipulation of creation for our own means. The second temptation targets Jesus, era, uh, Jesus' ego. All this can be yours, if only you'll follow me. Now, it's tempting to insert Vladimir Putin's face into that space, isn't it? All this can be yours if you take it. But let's begin closer to home. Because the church, both globally and in here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, is littered with the ugly fallout of the abuse of power. We only have to look, again, at the Royal Commission into abuse in state and church care to see where power gone mad can damage pe real people. And even closer to home, how important is it to each of us that we're liked, that we're successful, that we get noticed or promoted? Now, I'll admit, I've left jobs because I was passed over for promotion. I have. I'm standing here at the front again, aren't I? Hmm, interesting. Can I trust that God sees me when the powers that be don't? Can our lives as God's people be lived out quietly in humble and obscure places? The third temptation targets Jesus' vulnerability. 
<coughs> God will look after you. The angels will hold you up, says this force. The implication is that if we're, if we're God's people, everything will be right. Safe from physical and emotional harm, safe from frailty and disease, safe from accidents, safe from famine. In fact, that's the main accusation that non-Christians throw at us, isn't it? If, if there's a God, why do bad things still happen? And it's such an enticing lie because it target, targets our deepest fears about what it means to be human in a far from perfect world. But if we stay with the story that will unfold in our churches between today, the first Sunday in Lent, and the cross, if that story tells us nothing else, it tells us that God's people still bleed. God's people still ache. God's people still suffer. Of course, for us, that story doesn't end on the cross. I'm looking for one. Oh. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's above me. Sorry, you can't see it. I like it. You see things I don't see, you see. Our cross has no body on it. Because for us, the important story is what happens after that. Yes, it's an important part of the story, but the story goes on for us. So today, at the start of that story, we meet Jesus in a wilderness, in a no-one's land, in a place outside and beyond, a place like the Korean demilitarized zone, the DMZ, where an arm wrestle of cosmic proportions takes place between two ideologies, two hopes. It's a little like the situation we find ourselves in in our world today as we look around at the broken families and societies created by COVID and by Russia's ambitions. Perhaps it's time we took the time to sit a while in Jesus' wilderness, to look this temptation, this power in the eye, in the face. It's time to hear that seductive voice with its allure with its confession, oh, sorry, and confess its appeal, and then to learn from Jesus and our own experience of whom to trust. In such wilderness places, we can choose who we serve. It's our choice to make this Lenten time. May we choose wisely. Amen. Amen.